and welcome to Authorised, the podcast where writers speak. My name's Kevin Hillier. Today, Lee Christine is the author I'll be talking to and uh, mostly about her book, Dead Horse Gap. Great name for a uh, fictitious novel set in uh, in the snow. We'll uh, give you all the details of that very shortly and you'll meet Lee. A reminder about our podcast partners, CSCG, and they are great people to deal with. And when it comes to finances, maybe you're a startup business and uh, you're looking at uh, all the different areas that you have to cover whether it's taxation, whether it's all the uh, the insurances you have to look at, whether it's all the uh, legal areas that you have to cover. They know all about them. They have experts in the field. They'll help you uh, take uh, take you through each and every one of those steps uh, as you go along to make sure that uh, what you do when you start up your business is right. And if your business has been running for a while and it needs a bit of a financial check, there are no better people to talk to than the people at CSCG who can help you with superannuation, with taxation, uh, with borrowing and lending and uh, investing. Uh, they know it all uh, and uh, they're happy to uh, share that uh, knowledge with you. All you have to do is give them a call, double nine seven four. 8333 or jump on the website cscg.com.au and you'll find out all about them. And it's a great story, as is Dead Horse Gap, Lee Christine's uh, novel. This is the third. It's a trilogy of uh, novels uh, set in the snow. Uh, Some characters uh, go from one book to the next, but let's get all the details uh, with Lee. And firstly, of course, the thing you notice, I guess the first uh, thing you notice about any book is the cover. And this one has a beauty. It is a beautiful cover. Out of the three covers, that this one is my favourite. But the little hut is Cascades Hut, um, which goes about 10 kilometres um, down the track from Dead Horse Gap. And a photographer in down in the Snowies, Mike Edmondson, took that photograph and Alan and Unwin licensed it for my cover and for, you know, any other promotional uh, banners and things. So, but it's it's beautiful. I love the cover on this one. It does look a bit James Bondish, <laughs> I guess. Um, yeah, but not really. <laughs> so Charlotte Pass started it, then then Krakenback, and now this one. When when you started to write the first one, did you did you envisage it being a, a three part sort of series? Yes, I actually pitched it to um, Alan and Unwin, or my agent did to Alan and Unwin as a trilogy. So you you already knew then, so you didn't you weren't storybooking it. Each book took on its own life, or did it? It already had that kind of plan done beforehand. Well, I really knew what the first two were going to be about. So Charlotte Pass was already all in my head uh, when I started to write it. I knew that Krakenback was going to sort of zoom in even you know to a more sort of isolated lodge in Threadbow. I knew that there were going to be someone trapped inside and sort of like a an almost like a Malcolm Naden type character um, sort of living out in the wilderness, you know, living off fruit and, and fish in, in the rivers and everything, um, who was after revenge. So I knew that that was uh, going to happen in the in in the second book, in Krakenback. Um, Dead Horse Gap sort of came to me during the writing of the other two. As I researched more into the Snowy Mountains and travelled through there in the summertime and sort of looked at the alpine huts and spent a lot of time around Cancoven and places like that. And it just, yeah, it sort of started worming its way into my mind. So the first two I knew, but the third one came together. There's yeah. a romanticism about uh, being in the snow and what, and we've seen it in movies. And we, so we get that picture in our head when we're reading your book, which is which a beautiful kind of adjunct to, to, to the way you write it as well. 
Thank you. Yes, I think the um, the setting really is important. And uh, I mean, I've spent time down in the mountains for decades, both in the winter and the summer. But I just feel that setting it in the snow season just adds that you know extra you know, sort of um, you know threat, I guess. So as well as the threat from human danger, you've got the threat from the elements because it's a tough landscape. Yeah. Uh, your authenticity, I'm really impressed with the amount of work that you do and the people that you get around you to, to help you make uh, the books as authentic in, in, and real uh, in, in all the, you know, you've got a, uh, we don't know his name because you don't name him, a detective who you, you talk to about uh, about that side of it. But you've sort of built a, a nice little team of people who've, who've helped you with these three books. Yeah, that's that's right. And I do have um, uh, a young detective. When I say he's he's in his 30s, he's not even 35 yet, but he's worked in uh, the gang squad, he's worked in homicide and, and everything. So he's very up to date with everything. Um, a lot of people, uh, writers, I guess, have retired detectives. Um, so that's why I always, um, I, he, he prefers not to have his name um, released, you know, because he isn't retired. He's an active member of the force. And that, but I get all my, I run all my police procedural things through him and, um, and that, but he's right up to the minute on everything, which is great. So he's very generous with his time. I mean, yeah. I can spend hours talking to him over the course of a book. Now, you also spent a fair bit of time, I, I gather, uh, liaising with the Snowy Mountain Hydro people about the, the different facets that, that they come into the three books as well. Yeah, look, that's been, you know, I mean, the first time I went down to the snow was when I was in year eight in high school and we went on a school excursion. I fell in love with it, with the snow and everything down there, but part of that was to go and look at the Snowy Hydro scheme. That was the educational part of it. <laughs> Yeah. And uh, and I found it fascinating then. Um, the Snowy Hydro people have been really great. I mean, I've called in there a few times now and they're all very knowledgeable. Um, the, the women that I've spoken to behind the counter uh, there and they stock my books in there. I mean, the first time I went in there, I didn't expect to see it and I walked around sort of into the aisle and, and there was Charlotte Pass sitting there. So I went up and introduced myself and we got photos and all of that. And then I've been down there a couple of times. I've spoken to a few different people down there because they're not always there every day, the same people, but they were really helpful. Um, and also actually I spoke to one of the uh, women uh, who gave me information about the Cancoban Airport so um, I needed to know whether, you know, it had runway lights, whether there, there was CCTV footage because it's, every time I've been there it's been closed up and the fence has been there and the sign, you know, uh, authorised personnel only. Um, so I, I sort of spoke to her via the telephone and I told her I was writing a fiction book and I was going to crash a plane on <laughs> On the airport, you went, yeah. all right, cool. So, <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, so, look, everybody's been really um, helpful in, you know, taking me around to see some of the al alpine huts, which I was oh, interested okay. in, particularly after losing quite a few in the 2020 bushfires. I knew I wanted the huts in the story, um, you know, and I knew I wanted that that site at Cancoban. Um, because it's just such an interesting town. It was built for the Snowy Hydro workers when they built the first Snowy Hydro build. Well, you mentioned you mentioned the plane crash, and that that is a, the breathtaking start to, the, to to this book. 
And you did a, you had to kind of work a little bit of sort of uh, inside information there with the with the tractor and with the aviation people to to kind of put that together. Yeah, exactly. And I'm really lucky because um, you, I don't know whether you've read the acknowledgements, but one of um, our great Australian authors here, Helene Young, she is a former Qantas captain. Um, so she flew the Dash 8s for many years. And uh, so Helene, I've known her, um, you know, for, for a while now, going back to probably 2012, I'd see her at conferences and things like that. We've been up against one another in competitions. Uh-huh. Um, she writes Romantic Suspense, which I used to write before I wrote this series. Um, so I contacted Helene and she gave me a lot of the technical information about what the pilot would be doing as he came in because can COVID airport's a very tricky airport to fly into and I mean it is fiction so I can tweak and take a bit of poetic license with with it you know to suit the story but I try to keep things as you know um, factual as possible so she gave me a lot of what he'd be looking out for as he came in because he's coming in at night time so he'd be looking for the for the three-kilometre pondage, you'd be looking for the lights of the town to get his bearings. If he knows the airport, he's from that area, he's flown in before. Um, so she sort of gave me what he'd be doing in the cockpit. But I also spoke to a, um, a pilot up here in the Hunter Valley who, um, who, who we know, and he flies tiger moths out of the vineyards and things like that. And so I spoke to him and he gave me sort of some more blokey information, different mm. to what Helene gave me. He sort of said, well, you know, Lee, the most important thing is if you're, you know, when you've you got to check your plane, you've got to check you've got enough go juice and you've got to, you know, check yourself to make sure that you're mentally fit to fly, that you haven't had a fight with the missus and you got, <laughs> you're distracted and, and all of this, the most important thing is that you're in the right heads or the pilot's in the right head space. So he gave me all that information and I was asking him originally about like wombat holes and things in that he might hit as he, as he came in to the airport and I, it was a bit far-fetched, I guess, because it's a well-maintained airport. Yeah, yeah. But, um, he said, oh, no, look, the, the thing that would really, you know, cause a problem is if there was a tractor with a slasher on the back. And I went, brilliant. Like he gave me that oh, wow. thing that I was looking for. Yeah. So it pays to speak to people who know and listen and learn. Yeah, yeah. What do you want people to know about the book when they walk into a, a bookshop and they're, they're looking around and they're deciding and they've got your book in their hand? What do you want them to know about the book before they actually buy it and take it home or, you know, get it from the library and take it home? What do you want them to know about this story? Because I didn't read the first two but I've read this one but I ah. didn't feel like I'd missed the other. The, I, I didn't feel like I, there was something missing in what I was reading. Yeah, um, they are three standalones, even though the police are the common characters yep. throughout the three books. So you can they can be read as standalones. But um, look, you know, I, I I think it's a fascinating area down there. And what I'd like them to take away or maybe think, oh, I'll read this book because there's some interesting things in it. And one of the things that I I would say to them is if they're interested in learning more about the area, if they don't know a lot of about that, about our mountain area, um, that, you know, that there, is, there are alpine huts down there, that, that there's a great um, Kosciuszko National Park Hut Association which rebuild and restore the huts that we've lost over the years. I think the history, I mean, most of us know man from Snowy River uh, and that 
kind of thing, but the, the fragile alpine environment and how important it is, um, you know, just, just things like that. The snow leases, if they're interested in historical information, that was the thing that really sort of when I went down the rabbit hole and I was looking at um, uh, sort of through Trove and everything and I came across the snow leases that the New South Wales government used to grant to graziers so they could bring their cattle up to the high country and uh, in the in the sort of to the cooler climes when it was so so hot on the lower uh, ranges, but um, that was really you know I, I sort of went down the rabbit hole and read up on the snow leases and I thought oh this is something that I could bring that family feud together those two families that um, are feuding and and I think that my readers if they have read Charlotte Pass they were very interested in the old chairlift that went from Charlotte Pass to Threadbow that only lasted two seasons. It was built by Transfield and it was, you know, a big white elephant and the ruins are still up there. And I had people contact me and say, oh, when I first read this book, I thought you had made this chairlift up. But when I went and Googled, uh-huh. I realised that it actually existed and that's so cool. So I think with this book I was trying to get something like that and the snow leases and the alpine huts and that gave me that, that if people, you know, I'm not here to sort of, I'm here to tell a story. I'd like to give people escapism, particularly over the last two years. Yeah. They can learn a bit more about that area. And I've had people that have actually booked holidays and gone down there because of my books. They've said, you've just made us want to go. Oh, wow. Uh, so, <laughs> are, you, are you done with the snow now or, or have you got more in your head that, that will be set in the snow? Look, I've got I've got another um, story in my head. I have spoken to my editor about it. I mean, I did pitch it as a trilogy, but it has been very popular. Um, we haven't got to the stage of talking about it yet. Only that I have this idea that that the police squad, squad will be brought back together um, on a case that only the person that's being released from jail will only speak to the ones that were on that case. Um, so, I, so I do have an idea, but that is set a little bit in the future and so we might leave a little bit of time so that time elapses in real time um, that sort of, you know, matches up a bit with the story. Um, so at the moment I'm actually writing a, another crime novel and it's set in Newcastle in my hometown. Oh, okay. Yeah. Are you, but- are you a prolific writer? Do you, do you write every day? Uh, no, I don't write every day. Um, I can't do that because I tried it. You know, there's lots of writers that get up and they write 2,000 words every day and they don't do anything else before they do that. And I can't do it. I end up deleting half of it. It's rubbish when I do that because I'm trying to force myself to, I've got to get these 2,000 words down, you yeah. know, and um, it just doesn't work. I end up, you know, wiping it. So, I love getting up and, and walking around the cliffs and the beaches in the morning at 6 o'clock and coming back and doing interacting, you know, with nature. I love being outside. And um, and when I know what's going to happen, I get it in my head then, and when I know what's going to happen in the next chapter or two, I sit down and write. And I get on do get on a roll and then I'll write every day. But if something happens and I don't, I don't stress about it. Yeah. I get quicker as the book goes on. I'm very slow at first, but 
sort of by the middle, the second 50%, I really get on a roll. You almost get swept up in it yourself? Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah, it's good. The, the characterizations. Do you, do you draw from the people you know? Is that is that the natural thing for you to do, or do you do you kind of make them up because that's too close to home? Uh, look, a, a little bit of both. I mean, there's probably one or two quirky characteristics of people that I know in the characters, but basically they're a figment of my imagination. Um, In Charlotte Pass, because I'd spent so much time down there um, skiing and, and, you know, my daughter, was she ended up a ski instructor and did seven years ski instructor in the snow, so she was able to help me. There's a ski chase, and we're very James Bond in, (laughs) um, (laughs) in Charlotte Pass, and she gave me a lot of the technical information because while I can ski, she's a lot better than me. So, um uh, you know, I guess, what was the question again? I've gone off on a tangent. <laughs> <laughs> We're talking about drawing, hey, where you draw the characters oh, that's from. Right. That's right, sorry. So, um, you know, with the itinerant workers, I guess, that come in, the mountain operations people, the ski instructors that follow that endless winter from northern hemisphere to southern hemisphere, uh, you know, um, the groomers, people like that. I guess, you know, that th- there are people that grew up in the, Kerma migrant camp, you know, and stayed down there. There's people that have moved out of the mainstream and have settled down there. And then there's these ones that follow that endless winter. So they're very interesting people. Mm. Um, but of course, it was a crime novel. So I had to sort of extrapolate on that and, and that. But yeah, I'm drawing nuggets of things. But I, no one of my characters is based on a single person. Yeah. 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 Is it? I mean, the Hunter is the is the setting for your next one. That's obviously where you live. Is that is that an easy place to write about? Well, yes. Um, I mean, I did live in Sydney, but but I came back. Um, but I think with Newcastle, when I did have the conversation with my editor um, about the fourth book, she said with this book that you're going to write now, she said what she was concerned about was that my readers will be looking for a strong sense of place because that is what I've given them in the three books in the in the Snowy Mountains. Yeah. So she said they will be ex- the, the ones that like your writing will be expecting it to have a strong sense of place. So she said her advice was to find something that I knew really well where I knew the the people where I knew the area and all of that kind of thing. So I've found um, a fantastic setting for it up here, and um, I think readers will will love it. Yeah, yeah. You mentioned so. you mentioned you got some feedback that people have actually gone to the Snowy Mountain based on reading your books and stuff. What sort of feedback do you get from from readers? Because I mean, um, we live in an age where they can be uh, keyboard heroes. So what, what sort yeah. of feedback? What sort of yeah. feedback do you get? Oh, most of overwhelmingly, mine have been really positive. Oh, so. Good. Um, with, you know, I had to make the decision at the start, do I um, write a book, a fictional book, and make up a town, make up towns? Because a lot of people, authors, do do that, and there's a reason for doing that. Um, But I felt that I knew the area enough and I thought that it would, like for Charlotte Pass, it's such a unique village um and and I thought it would detract from that setting to call it something else a fictional place you know so um I yeah I think I just think that uh, uh, that particular place down there the people have 
I've had emails from Kuma. A lady said to me, um, oh, my God, it's so wonderful to read something that's said in my backyard and, I, you know, I've grown up in Kuma. I've had two men um, email me from one from Threadbow and one guy said that uh, that his father built one of the first lodges down there. Oh, and wow. The down there. Um, another one uh, said to me that he lives down there and he and he's enjoyed, really enjoyed both books. And I've come in contact with a fellow that wrote uh, an, an historical account of Charlotte Pass. He Skiing Off the Roof, his name's Rick Walcombe, and his book Skiing Off the Roof was one that I used for uh, research in Charlotte Pass because I knew it was historically accurate and I'd owned that book for 20 years. And Rick is just um, in the process of doing his fourth edition and it's going to be a beautiful sort of coffee table coffee table book, but it's also 140,000 words, I think, of oh, historical wow. information. So, you know, I, I say, well, if I've got anything wrong, it's your fault. But <laughs> <laughs> um, so, you know, I, yes, I've, I've met all these people and, and I've, I've used um, Rick's book uh, to, to get that information correct, I think. So I think it would have been... Um, he said to me, and I'll just, this is just something people probably don't know, but he said to me, you know, when I read your book, I could have killed you. And I said, why? And he said, because he said, I've always wanted to write, you know, a book there. But he said, I wanted, I, I want my ashes scattered at Charlotte Pass. He said, <laughs> put a dead body up there. He said, and you've spoiled it all for me. <laughs> <laughs> you put a dead body slightly differently, not not uh, not in the cremated sense. <laughs> well, I've had a great, you know, response from people down there so far. So I hope that continues. Yeah, that's terrific. That's yeah. great. Well, congratulations on uh, on this book and on the trilogy of books, obviously. But and uh, and good luck with the with the new one in the future. It's a terrific reading. Oh, thank you. Thanks very much, Kevin. Thanks for speaking to me. My pleasure. Thanks for being on the program. Dead Horse Gap is the name of the book. My thanks to uh, Lee Christine for joining me on the podcast and uh, great success to her in the future, I would imagine. Uh, if uh, this book is anything to go by, they're terrific readings, so uh, grab a hold and, uh, and check it out. Available, of course, through Alan and Unwin, Lee Christine, Dead Horse Gap. That is this episode of Authorised. Hope you've enjoyed it. Don't forget to check out some of our previous episodes. Some great authors we've spoken to about some terrific books over the uh, the course of this podcast series, so make sure you uh, check out some of those. And uh, make sure you also give our friends at CSCG a call if uh, you're looking at your finances and it's not painting a very good picture for you or you know it could be a lot better than it currently is, well, they're the people to talk to. CSCG, give them a call on double nine seven four eight triple three, or jump on the website and see what they're all about, cscg.com.au. Till the next time, I'm Kevin Hillier. Take care of yourself. 